0: Like it's 1992. What? How many guys were born in 1992? Is there any people born in 1992? For real, dude? After? Whoa. There really is, man. I. <laughs> y'all know what year I was born? <laughs> no. Older, my friend. 1983. <laughs> yep. I was born in 1983. Y'all think I'm lying right now because I look so young. But I really am like, I'm older, so whatever. I want to say old. I'm 32. All right, let's go to the Bible. Uh, We're in Psalm 92. We're not going to read just yet. I'm going to pray, and then we'll... uh, We'll we'll get into this word that I have for you guys tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. As we as we start this series called Rooted, I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you, God, would establish us in strength uh, and, and establish us in in ways that we've never been before, God. That we would increase in our on our roots today, and Lord, I thank you for people who last and, and people who bear fruit, and God, people who uh, just, just are committed and for the long haul, not just for when it feels good, but God, we want to follow you through every high and every low, and so God, this is our heart tonight, in Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. amen. Okay, here's the deal, we're starting a series, and it's called Rooted, everyone say Rooted. And and so in the midst, man, I, I, I just really believe this, in the midst of a compromising world where commitment is almost like a bad word, like God is calling us to be firm, committed believers of Jesus Christ, firm, committed. And, and this is, when I think of this, uh, some of you guys have been with me for, for some years now, and so this might be familiar, but I think that, can you just put up the first image of the Yeah, and so I sometimes... <laughs> We we as believers are like tumbleweeds and the winds of trials, the winds of our emotions, and the winds of life just toss us around. And our life is almost like a western, like arr, arr, wah, wah, wah. and you see that thing kicking across the thing. You know, just the other night, I think it was Sunday night when that crazy rainstorm was happening. I literally was driving home. Were you in were you the Remember that we, literally there was a tumbleweed that flew in front of my car when we were driving. Is that when we were pulling into the parking lot? Are you winning that part? Okay. It's Sunday night. It was crazy windstorm. It was so crazy that the um, the uh, the little umbrella thing that I have on my table literally lifted out of the thing and flew on the ground. It was so crazy. But sometimes in life, this is how we are, uh, we're, but we, we have to realize that God is calling us not to be like the tumbleweed, but to be rooted like the tree. Th- this is who we're called to be right here. Come on. Uh, this is us rooted and grounded that when the things of life, they push us back, they push us this way. We still stand firm through whatever life throws at us. Are you with me on this? We're moving from being tossed from the by the winds, the trials and the emotions, the people pleasing, and to being rooted firm, firm in your convictions, firm in your beliefs, people who are reliable, committed people, you know, in the olden days, they had this phrase, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but they had this phrase, and they said, Your word is your bond. Have you guys heard this? Your word is your bond. We don't really use it too much anymore because no one even really knows what it means. A bond was like a contract. And basically, what they were saying was, Your word is as good as signing a contract and, and I, are you, are you follow me? And, and this, so they would say your word is your bond. I don't need you to sign this. I don't need you to give me a d- down payment or a deposit because your word is just as good as signing on a contract. This is what I'm talking about. These kind of people, y- you know what I mean? If you've been around these kind of people where when they actually they say what they mean and they mean what they say they're, they're strong, they're committed, they're reliable people. This is what God is calling us to be, to be firm. And so we're talking about this being rooted this month, but this is what we're, we're focusing specifically on being rooted in the church. Everyone say rooted in the church. Here's what I see with this generation sometimes is that we, we do this thing, and, and maybe this is us, maybe this is other people, but uh, think about your friend when I say this. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, sometimes there's, there's these things called church hopping. And you, you know what I'm saying? Or, or uh, Pastor Jojo, uh, our friend from the Philippines, he used to call it butterfly Christians. They had no home, but they would just flutter around to every cool thing that was happening. Oh, that, that's a cool group. Ah, oh, it's getting kind of boring. Let's go to a new one. Well, they flutter around, and they just flutter around, and they just go whenever. Whenever it's convenient. <laughs> and God is calling us to be rooted. Or you know what I'm saying? Like I just go to church when I feel like it. Or or I, I just go when I'm in a trial and I need God to do something for me. Or in, in this, this is this is crazy, and we believe in this, but did you know that a para-church organization is not a church? And para means parallel, coming alongside. So our friends at priority, they're doing amazing thing, but they're not a church. Intervarsity is doing amazing things, and we partner with them, but they're not a church you with me on this yeah. and, and so sometimes we go like well i went to, I already went to like this small group or I already went to whatever thing I don't need to go to church anymore I just have my my friends and whatever but he, the problem with that is you're creating a habit that's not sustainable because when you graduate college whatever that is you're done- you get, you're you you can not be the, the super senior anymore <laughs> Can I go to your group? do you go to this school? No, like get alive, homie like grow up <laughs> you know what I mean like you with me on this and so it's important for us to, to establish sustainable habits now so that way when we graduate college we don't lose our faith because we don't have anywhere to go yeah. amen that's good yeah. and so man there's so many different things but i see this with this generation a lot like I, you know you run into people like whoa where do you go to church and they're like oh, i have fellowship with people We're like come on it, it sounds like an excuse for i don't want anyone anyone any leadership in my life I don't want anyone telling me what to do because I'm an independent spirit and you know I like to do whatever I want to do. I remember one time years ago, uh, this is years ago, literally none of you in this room were in the crux except for me back then and maybe Mark Elliott, but I think he already left. And and like this is a long time ago. And one of my friends, he was just saying, we were actually having a little bit of an accountability time. And, and my friend was kind of like saying, hey, dude, uh, here's a couple things that we're seeing in your life. And we're kind of feeling like, you probably shouldn't be doing that, you know? Like, if you want to serve God, and we're having that talk, you know what I mean? I don't know if you ever had those talks with your friends before. Be like, hey, I'm seeing some lifestyle attitudes and some things that you're doing that may not bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, your Savior, you know what I mean? And so we had this talk, and literally this phrase came out of his mouth, and he says, well, it's my life. I can do whatever I want with it. And in my mind, I'm like, not the right answer, homie. You know? <laughs> well, you said I surrendered to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You remember what... He, you, you gave up the rights. If Jesus is your Lord, that means you're not anymore. Oh. Amen. <laughs> I mean, like, and Jesus is the, the king that everybody wants. He's the most loving, most patient, most kind, most compassionate, generous person you could ever have being in leadership. Kingdom authority, learned this from my brother David Knox the other day, kingdom authority isn't to lord it over, but it's actually when you have the authority of God in your life, you're supposed to be lifting people up and bringing them up to new levels, and that will require challenging and correction and all that stuff too. But this is what God's authority is like. God's authority lifts people up. Like you know, you know what I mean on this. And so He was say, "Ah, oh, well, I don't need that." And and so this is the deal. Sometimes we come to church and and we have excuses like, "Well, it's my life. I can do whatever I want." Or or I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Or you know, or everyone's judging me when I come in. Or Uh, You know, I don't need church. I just need God, and and the problem is, God told you to go to church, so it's really weird if he's saying he's your God. You know, like all this stuff, and and I'm just poking at all these little things only because. The will of God for our lives is to be rooted in the church. And we'll see this in just a while's time when we look at Psalm 92. But we, we see that in being rooted in church is part of God's plan to grow you as a follower of Jesus. Like we're following Jesus. That's why we came here tonight. You're hungry. like you, you, Something of God touched your heart and said, like, God, I want to know you. I want to know more about you. I want to know your word. And so we teach the Bible here every week, and we worship God, we pray for each other. The, the whole point is that this is what, this is what we're here for. God, this is part of God's plan to grow you. And if we push that aside, then we stunt our growth. And not only that, the people in this room or whatever church that we feel like God is calling us to be a part of, they're actually missing out on what you have to offer. Like, everybody suffers in this thing. God, in, in, in a sense... Now, proper context, but in a sense, God suffers because he has one less person to represent his face on the earth. You suffer because you're not going to grow as much as you can if you're not in the church and the people around you suffer. I mean, it's just because they they need what you have. And the reality is, it's, just, it's like a lose-lose situation all around, and we run away from authority. We run away from what sometimes is called organized religion. We're like, come on, man. It's got to be organized. Like, no one goes to chaos, you know? It's like, oh, what church do you go to? I go to that one where we just don't do anything. Oh, it's just weird. I don't know what's... To- <laughs> it's like, there's no organization. There's nothing. We just show up. Well, where do you meet? Well, we meet at Thursday night at 7 o'clock, and we start worship at seven o five. You're like, that sounds like organization, homie. What, what are you talking about? Like, I don't like organized religion but like it has to be organized in order for it to be functional (laughs) you with me on this like i don't like organization well like you don't like god's way you know like you you read the the, um we haven't even got to the bible and i'm already kicking things over Uh, like you read through scripture and there's like numerous chapters detail on how to build the temple. Very detailed. Be I mean, like, God's not really about all structure and all that stuff. Well, is that why he wasted like 100 chapters on the oh, details oh. Of, the, of the structure of how to build the tabernacle? Amen. Am I preaching good? Or are you, am I just like? you? <laughs> so anyway, that's why I think organization and administration is the will of God. <laughs> Psalm 92. We're going to begin in verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And this is what they look like, verse 14. They shall still bear fruit in old age. I like this. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Come on. The Bible was hipster before there was hipster. They shall be fresh and flourishing. (laughs) Verse 15 to declare, what are they declaring? That the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Everyone say, boom! So here's what we see. It says, those who are planted in the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. The, the house of the of, of God, the house of the Lord is representative of the church today. And when you receive Jesus, you become a part of his church. You, you get to be a part of the family of God. And I just want to show you this verse in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, just to show you this New Testament reference that c- confirms what we're saying. He's writing in verse uh, chapter three, verse 14. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, verse 15. But if I am delayed, I write, why? So that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is what? The church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Oh, that's a good word. So that you would know how that that you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. What is the house of God? The church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And so what we know is that the church is not only there's a global universal body of Christ that like we can go to Uganda. We've been there twice and, and preach the gospel, but I can find literally family members, brothers and sisters. I remember when we went to Brazil in 2005, when we preached the gospel on the streets and we saw hundreds of people get saved and people get healed. It was amazing. But the people I was ministering with, because they speak Portuguese. We had to have an interpreter. We became such good friends and such family. It reminded me of like, man, when we leave, it's like, oh my gosh, like we're like literally crying, saying goodbye to the people because they're family. And we can go all over the world, whatever nation they believe in Jesus Christ. I don't care what denomination, but you believe in Jesus Christ, you are in the same family. And so there's the universal global church of Christ that God is a part of. And it's amazing, but there's something that we're talking specifically about the local body of, believers where we come together and we have this, we have summit and there's all these churches in the region. And so I I remember years ago, I, I was talking to my friend Johnson and he's been a mentor and a good friend in my life. And I remember this was about 2004 or something like that, 2004. So it's a little while ago. Uh, it's like 12 years. Is that 12 years ago? Jesus have mercy, I am growing up. No. I remember 12 years ago, I was telling Johnson all my dreams and all the things that I wanted to do and travel and minister and all this stuff. And he actually rebuked me, he corrected me. He's like, dude, because this is when I was still, I think this is 2003, I was still trying to figure out if I was gonna be at Summit or not. But he's been a- he was a good friend of mine. And uh, he said, listen, dude, you don't even have discipleship. You don't, you, he, he, he began to correct me and says, you don't, you don't even have a steady place of discipleship and accountability. So how do you expect to be thrust into your dreams? And you don't even have a plan. You're not even rooted anywhere. And, I, and I, I'm telling you, it was one of the best rebukes I ever got in my life. It was the best correction I ever got because it planted me here. And, and, and so I'm telling you, I am who I am today due largely to the fact that I've been rooted in the church and i've been at summit since 2000 august of 2003 so you can do the math it's it's been some time you know what i mean and you know some people you know, they've had to go to different places or whatever. I don't, I'm not saying, like, if you had to come here from somewhere else or whatever. There's all kinds of situations that happen in life. But I've been here, and I've been rooted in this church for a while now, and I've seen not only uh, my life. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I found my wife here, you know what I'm saying? like, uh, And I've gotten to actually serve. And I, I, w- I didn't come here saying, like, hey, I'm a worship leader. I should, you know, Whatever. Yeah, that could be a word for some of you guys right there. I found your wife or your husband here. Amen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, secretly in our hearts, you're looking like this. Inside your heart, like, yes, amen. Amen. It is not good for man to be alone. Mm. On the outside? <laughs> On the inside, like, oh, Anyway, okay. Ah! I I just know, I just came here going like, hey, listen, I just need a family. Like, I'm telling you, I needed a family. I didn't have a family before I came here. I, I had come from a... I'm going to just call it a church split. It really, really was just everything fell apart where I was at. And literally God like took crutches out of my hands, kicked them off of me and said, learn how to walk on your own. And, and I came here because I needed a family. I had a family before, but it fell apart and I needed a, I needed a spiritual family. And so I was looking, I was looking, I tried three churches and this was the, the third one that I tried and I actually didn't even want to come here because I'm telling you, if you came here in 2003, it looked worlds different than it does today. And I'm telling you, they know. They grew up here. They know it looked worlds different. How many young people were there in the church? Like three, three. These girls were like only like seven or something. And so I, I literally, it was like three of us. Like me, my friend Dustin West and my wife but she wasn't my wife at the time and that was like my friend group you know saying <laughs> so three young people the rest were like 30 plus you know what i'm saying like it was just crazy i was like 19 when i came here going like oh, you want me to, you want me to come here god <laughs> they play old music and it's quiet <laughs> there's nobody my age like now people come to our church and be like this is a young church there's a lot of young people here but like yeah try that one 15 years ago. <laughs> but the point is, is that God, is, and we'll look at this scripture. Actually, here it is. First Corinthians 12, 18. It says, now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Like God puts the people, like God places people in the body of Christ. And that can mean, and what I really believe this means in a real specific thing is God places people in, in so, People are called to go to summit. People are called to go to the grace church down the street. People are called to go to the movement. People are called to go to the father 's house. you know and these are all of our friends, but i 'm just saying, uh, our heart is never to go like you have to go to summit. you have to' like, no no, find the place that God has called you to be because it says that God places each of the members of the body just as He please. He places them where He, he places us where He wants us. And so I wanted to go to some other places where I had more friends, the music was cooler, and uh, it was just an overall cooler place to be. But God had me here for some reason. And I just said yes. I'm like, okay, I know God well enough. Uh, well, I didn't know God too much, but, and I'm still learning. But I knew his voice well enough to know that if I wasn't here, I wouldn't have peace. You know what I'm saying? Like, where you know, like... Where, where God has called you to be or God has called you to do, there's peace in your heart. And I didn't, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Like I was at, I was at other churches. And I was trying it and there was all these young people. I'm like, this is a cool place to be though, God, this is cool. And the, the pastor is cool. And like the message is cool. And I, okay, I'll go somewhere else. You know, like it just wasn't home. And I found home. And there's something so powerful about being connected to one church. Now, now, I know that some churches don't have college groups, and some of us come here uh, because our churches don't have college groups, and that's cool with me. But what I'm trying to say is that our devotion, our heart, God has called us to, to have a home church and to be a part of this. And two things it does is that not only do trees grow best when they're rooted, hey, hello, like uproot, move, plant, uproot, uh, plant, uproot, move, plant, uproot, move, plant, you know, how many of us a recipe for like a dead tree, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But not only that, it keeps your heart connected to one vision and one mission, one direction. No pun intended. Like when I I remember this guy, this, this guy came up to me and this was again years ago. And he's like, man, I'm having trouble figuring out what God wants me to do with my life. I'm like, well, I just asked him, well, where do, where do you go to church, dude? He's like, well, and he literally named five different services that he goes to per week. And I was like, uh, there's your first problem, homie, right there. And this is why. Because each church has a specific call of God on their life to fulfill in the region. And so while our church will be uh, you know, equipping people in the supernatural and, and doing not only local but global missions, the church down the street could be really into, like I know the Father's House and Benji, they do a lot of social justice stuff and, and breaking chains. and and rescuing people out of the sex trade and all this stuff. Well, we believe in that. It's just not our forte. You you know what I'm saying? And the other church down the street, be like, we really need, Jesus said, if you do this unto the least of these, you'll do it unto me. We gotta feed the homeless and clothe them and help them and all that. We do that. Once a month, we actually have a team who does that, but it's not the driving vision of Summit, though. You you with me on this? We believe it because Jesus asked us to do it, but the driving vision is a little bit different. We're leading people to new heights. Our church is a mobilizing church and equipping church. You come to Summit, for long enough, you're going to learn how to heal the sick and prophesy and preach the gospel. It's just what we do. It's just who we are. We're an equipping place. Are you with me on this? But if you go to five different places, your heart's going to be pulled in five different directions, and you're, it's going to be hard for you to find to find focus on a vision. Is this making sense? And so, while I believe that all those stuff we should be doing as Christians, as followers of Christ, when you have a home church, you're locked into a vision. And God places each member in the body just as he pleases because because he knows that not only does he have a call in the church, but he has a call in your life and your call will mix in with the call of the local church. Does that make sense? So we're like, man, I... I I believe in in rescuing people out of the, the sex trade, and it's, it's a huge ministry that people the sex slavery and all that stuff. That's a, that's powerful. We're really the minister to that. But in my heart, I don't really feel like that's the burning thing in my heart. Like I, I I'm a worship leader, like I and I want and I'm an evangelist. Like I want to lead worship and see the lost saved. Like I, that's what I want to do. And, and that's part of the vision of this house. So it just, it's just like, boom, fits right there. You know what I mean? If I went to another church that was all about you know the trade and all that stuff, that's awesome. But I would feel out of place. Is that making sense? Yeah. And so you have to ask God, where am I called to be? And, and, and so Oswald Chambers, Chambers said this. He said, God places his saints where they will bring the most glory to him. And we are totally incapable of judging where that may be. God places his saints where they will bring the most glory to him. And we are totally incapable of judging where that may be. That's why we just ask God, God, where do you have me? What do you want me to be? Where can I plant myself in? Because if I'm planted there, according to Psalm 92, and we're going we're to dig into this deeper, that will flourish and I'll grow and my life will be fruitful. Amen? And so number one, church is spiritual family. We're going to look closer at the passage in Psalm 92, uh, and we're going to look at three things that are important for us in regards to being rooted in the church. Church is spiritual family. This is huge. The verse 13 said, those who are planted in the house, everyone say house. House. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord flourish in the courts of our God. Now look at, David's going to put up Psalm 68, verse 6. Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the lonely in families. Everyone say Families. And he leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Here's the crazy part. The Hebrew word for house, when it says those who are planted in the house of the Lord, and say house, everyone say it? House. It's the same word for families. Whoa, you are just gnarly, David. I don't even know how you got that Hebrew thing up there the house the word for house and the word for families in Hebrew is the same word bayith which is like when you see, when you hear the word bethel it's it's bayethel, like it, it literally means house of god so like so bethel el is a short term for elohim which is a name of god and so when it says bethel it means house of god but every time you see the word beth it's that word bayith i don't you know i don't really speak hebrew so deal with it but like when it says house or families, it's literally the same word. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord or God sets the lonely in families. What, what's, what's the point? It seems that that God not only desires us to be planted in the house of the Lord, but he's the one who places us there. God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in the house and those who are planted in the house shall flourish. Are you with me in this? This is where we flourish. The, the word, for flourish literally means to blossom to break forth or to break out this is crazy when you when you look at this word flourish this, this is what i'm talking about in my life like you, you have a gift inside of you. And we talked about this last couple of weeks. We talk about, you have to learn how to use the gift that God's given you. And we talk about pursuing our dreams and all this stuff. You have a gift inside of you, but the place that that gift is going to flourish. It's going to break out. You know, like for example, I have a, a May pride peach tree. And right now it's starting to make little pink flowers because by the time May comes around, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to have like a hundred and three hundred fifty Peaches is beautiful. But right now it's blossoming like these little pink flowers. It's the coolest thing ever. And all this stuff, how does that happen? Because it's rooted, it's planted. And this is what he's saying. And so he's saying literally the house is the family. God sets the lonely in family. Church is spiritual family. And here's where it gets even deeper. When you look at the context of Psalm 68, go, go to Psalm 68 verse 1. It says, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him. Now, some of you Bible scholars may know that this actually is not original with David. So David writes a psalm and he says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered, but that's not the original with him. Do you know that there was someone else who said it before him in the Bible? Does anyone anyone know this? His name is Moses, and, and this is what happened. Israel used to travel in the desert, cloud by day, and a fire by night. They had like at least two million people. They would travel in this desert because they were going from Egypt to the promised land. And if you remember, they had the, the Ark of the Covenant, which rep, the, was representing the presence of God. And literally above the Ark was this huge cloud. And then at night, the cloud would turn to fire. Do, do we get that? Did I give you that picture, David? I don't know if I gave you that picture. So this is kind of what it looked like. And this is when it would be like they would camp, and then the, the, the cloud would turn into fire. How many understand, like, you know, you go to restaurants and they have those little fire heaters up top? Like, how many, like, that's just cooler than that. You know what I mean? Like, you're wandering for 40 years in the desert trying to get to your promised land. But, like, it's cold at night and God's just like, here you go. You know what I'm saying? He just gives him a fire. Uh, Real practical application. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, why did he show up in a fire? Uh, Probably because it was cold. Anyway. And so, uh, but in the daytime, this thing turned to uh, a cloud. It says the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. But this is the crazy part. Verse, uh, uh, Verse 35, are we going to the next verse? And so it was whenever the ark set out that Moses said, rise up, O Lord, or let God arise and let your enemies be scattered before you and let those who hate you flee before you. Moses was the first person to say this. So now David's giving us a context for what he's talking about. We're going Bible study tonight. You got to follow with me here. Psalm 68 says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. But it came from numbers. And why is he saying that? Because every time the cloud would lift up and it would begin to move. And so the Levites would go like, oh, start packing up. God's moving. We got to pack up. And they would start packing up the tabernacle. They pack up everything and put it on the poles. and They start carrying it. All the tribes, the 12 tribes would gather around and they would start moving and follow the cloud. Wherever the cloud would go, they would follow. This is like a type and shadow of what we do when the Holy Spirit's pulling us somewhere. What do we do? If he goes to the left, then we're going to the left. We just follow him. You know what I mean? Just touch your neighbor and say, we follow him. And just for another context, Numbers 9, 17 says, Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israel, Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. And so that's how we know. But here is the point. The context of Psalm 68, where he said God sets the lonely in families, is in the context of them wandering through the desert. Now here's what I want you to see. If you're wandering through the desert, how many understand that uh, at night it's cold, but during the daytime it is it is hot, okay. And he says this. God says, "Can you put up verse, uh, verse six again? Psalm sixty-eight, verse six. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun scorched land. So God puts people in families. Now think about this. What what are the people traveling in? They're traveling with their families. They traveled by tribe, the tribe of of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of all these guys, they would be with their families. God set the lonely in a family. And when the cloud was over them, how many understand that there is protection? But it said the rebellious live in a sun scorched land. Oh, I hope this clicks with our hearts tonight. God placed the people within a covering and God placed the people within a family. And so he's telling us something. It's not just God says only in families. That was just some random thought. He's coming up. But it's like, no, no, no. He's going back to the days of Israel when there was a cloud over them protecting them from the heat of the day. And when they would move forward, they had a covering over them. But if you were rebellious and you decided not to join the assembly of the people, it said the rebellious live in a what? A sun-scorched land. You follow what I'm saying tonight? And so God has placed us. And so... What happens, guess what happens when you don't follow the cloud? You're living in a sun-scorched, parched, dry, and unproductive land. And so the same is true for us. When we isolate ourselves and detach ourselves from the family of God, we're living in a sun-scorched, parched, dry, and unproductive land. We have actually set ourselves up for failure we have disconnected ourselves from the cloud covering. And we have said like, hey, listen, I'm good on my own over here. I, you know, I, it, we call it the independent spirit and I can do what I want. I can say what I want and no one gets to tell me what to do. I'm going to be outside of the cloud covering because God set the lonely in families, but the rebellious live in a sun scorched land. And I, I, I don't only really got time for the cloud. I don't got time for the family. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And he said, the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I wonder if if we felt like this before in our lives. And maybe some of us feel this now, that we might, we might be feeling this sun-scorched land. And it quite possibly could be because you separated yourself from the family of God. And we could be feeling dryness. We could be feeling. Irritation, you, you know what I'm talking about when you're riding in the car and the heaters and the, and the AC is broken and the, you, the windows only goes halfway down. And, you you know, your brother's looking at you all weird. And you're like, don't look at me. You know what I'm saying? And then they do that thing where they're like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And it would be OK if you were in a good temperature. But something happened where it's hot and it's irritable. And you're like, don't look at me. Don't touch me. And they're like, I'm not touching you, though. I'm not touching you, though. See that? I am not even touching you. And you just like want to, you know what I'm saying, like back backhand them. This is what happens. Like get real for a second. Like this is what happens in a sun scorched land. Not only do you get irritable. I mean, this is why some Christians are irritable (laughs) because they got offended with somebody and they isolated themselves from the church. And all they do is talk bad about the church instead of reconcile and get back into the family of God. The rebellious live in the sun scorched land, but God sets the lonely in family. Ah, I wonder if the dryness in our life has possibly come because we have been rebellious. And we said, I don't need church. I don't need that. I don't need organized religion. I don't need someone telling me what to do. If that's what you think about it, you, you already missed it from the beginning. It's not what it is, it's a family. God says the lonely in families. And I just wonder, though, if the parched, the spiritually, you we feel spiritually parched. We feel like no one cares. We feel like no one's thinking of us. We feel like no. What if it's not because they're not reaching out to you? What if it's because you separated yourself from the family? (sighs) Lord, have mercy on us. (laughs) Because the church isn't just an organization. It's a family. Summit is not just an organization, it's a family. And that means it has drama. <laughs> if it doesn't have drama, it's not a real family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's just what family, I mean, come on, man. It just it just happens. That's why I used to be like, well, couples would be like, we don't fight. Be like, that's just because you're not being real. That's just, that's what the real deal is. <laughs> if you were real about what you were feeling, then there would be a little bit of conflict. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's okay. Yeah. Be like, well, you know, the church should cater to all my needs. And we're like, maybe we should just change that mentality and stop being selfish. <laughs> I was reading this book. Uh, Some of you guys might know who Joshua Harris is. He wrote the book, Kiss Dating Goodbye, and this whole thing. But he actually has a book called Stop Dating the Church. And uh, it was really good. And he says that he sees these three signs in church hoppers. Hey, you are just, he's just on it. This is what he sees in church hoppers. They usually carry this perspective, that they're self-centered, they're independent, and they're critical. And he was just opening his book, saying like, "Listen, this is what I'm seeing in the church today. I'm seeing that, you know, sometimes the church and this is there's a weird movement happening. There's people like against the church, and I'm like, not you. You know, whenever you say something bad about the church, you're talking about Jesus' wife. <laughs> like, it's a it's not something you know. And I'm not saying you can't like." express what you're going through or whatever. I'm not saying that, but what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes we get this perspective and it's all, well, the church, it's just, they're not giving me what I want. Well, like if that's really true and that's not where God has you, then dude, there's like a billion churches in the region. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I hear, I've heard people complain and whine about the church and I'm like, dude, you don't have to go here. Like there's a lot of good churches here. Like maybe there's one that will fit you better. Like, do you know what I mean? Or like sometimes with the uh, what, was the, what was the middle one? Put that thing back up there because I don't even know where it is on my notes. The independent, we talked about it, but the critical. And he was talking about in his book, he said that sometimes we're, we're, we're quick to criti- criticize but we're slow to have allegiance to it. And, and man, I, my heart is like, this is what I realize is that God's plan is. Uh, Jesus said the one thing that the world would know that we're followers of Jesus by is that we could pray for the sick. no. That we could sing and dance? No, he said that you have love for one another. Hey, that doesn't work when you isolate yourself. (laughs)
1: Good.
0: But when you start having conflict with people and then you learn how to deal with it and love and, you know, have real, like, confrontation and stuff. I love it, man. When people give me feedback about how I'm impacting the life, dude, I'm like, oh, snap, thank you. Like, that actually helps my life. (laughs) And this is what happens in church. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but, uh, but we're a family, and God says the lonely in families, and God won't force you to be in family, but man, without it, you'll feel like you're living in a dry and a parched land. And we need to just be there for each other. That's what church is about, being there for each other and, and going through life together. Number two, church is the right atmosphere for growth. Church is the right atmosphere for growth. Verse 12 said, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. One commentator, I think this was, it's called the treasury of David. And it says this in there, that they referred to Lebanon as a place where the cedars attain their highest perfection. That Lebanon was a place that the cedars attained their highest perfection. In other words, the church is the right place for you to grow in. And we already started talking about this with different things that we deal with, with relationships within the church. But did you know that the church, like Lebanon, was a great place for the cedars to grow. But the church has the right climate. It has the right soil. It has the right amount of fertilizer. Come on, somebody. And it has the right amount of sun for you to grow and to flourish in your life. That's the church has the atmosphere for you to grow in. The psalmist uh, goes on to say how the righteous are planted in the house of the Lord. But this is the thing. It says it is referring that to the place that it's planted and relating it to its growth. That God designed the church for you as a place for you to grow and to be equipped. And what I think about this is that outside of the church, gifts and talents can flourish and grow. But the anointing is developed in church. The, the, The Holy Spirit moving in you. Like you learning the presence of god that's that's developed in church you can you can go anywhere else and and learn how to do gifts and and talents, but the, the anointing, it's great to have talented people, but it's much greater to have the anointing and the flow of the Holy Spirit. I Man, there's, there's encouragement that happens in church. The, this is the soil that we have that we're, when we're playing ourselves here, we're putting ourselves in a soil that has encouragement in church. There, there's a soil that has love and forgiveness in the church. There's accountability in the church. There's honesty in the church. There's God ordained leadership in the church and the generations are present in the church. Like it's not just the 20 some things. Like, it's like the little kids and the little nursery kids all the way up, you know, the 10-year-olds and the teenagers, and then you get the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and it's really cool when you have the 80-year-olds sitting right next to you in church because what they have to offer you can't get from a 20-year-old. I love that. I love that. Like having all the generations, they're present in the church. All these things provide the right atmosphere for growth. Just like this, that Lebanon provided the right atmosphere and the right soil for the cedars to grow, and to get to their highest perfection, the church will actually be the place, according to scripture, it'll be the place where you will grow to the highest form of what you could be to fulfill the greatest potential that you have. Are you following me on this? Last thing. Two results, and we're looking at Psalm 92. Remember, two results of being rooted in the church. Let's read verse 14 and 15 again. It says, they shall still bear fruit in old age. That means they were bearing fruit in young age as well. But they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Everyone say fresh and flourishing. fresh and flourishing. And verse 15, to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Two results. A, they're fresh and flourishing. They are fresh and flourishing as opposed to being stale and decaying. Ah, oh, yeah. Did you get that right there? People who are planted in the church are fresh and they're flourishing as opposed to being stale and decaying. I wonder if in our lives we've discovered this, that when we start pulling away, that we actually start feeling stale in in our spiritual lives, just starts kind of it just starts decaying. But the Lord said that the the righteous, they're bearing fruit in their old age. The people planted, they're fresh and flourishing. These are the kind of people who are always learning. These are the kind of people who are always growing. They're always fellowshipping, they're vibrant. Do do you know what I'm saying? The people who are vibrant, who are connected with the body of believers, not not just playing halo together or whatever it is, but connecting and saying, what's God saying to you in your life? How can I pray for you? Can you pray for me? This is what God's doing in my work. This is what God's doing in my classroom. This This is the life of." of a fellowship. This is the church. This is what fellowship is. And when you have this in your life, scripture says that you will be fresh and that you will be flourishing. How many of y'all want to be fresh and flourishing in your life? This is the kind of life that I want to live. Because why? Because they're always putting themselves in a place where they can be equipped and challenged and discipled. You're always putting yourself there saying like, God, I just need, I, I want to grow. Like, I don't want to be this little twig that took like five years to get like a foot tall, <laughs> like, because I'm in this tiny little pot, you know? It's like, I want to be planted in the house of the Lord so that I can literally flourish and then be fresh and flourishing. Even when I get in my seventies and in my eighties, I still have something to give away. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes people get old and they get bitter and then everything they talk about is like, what's going wrong with the world? And you're like, man. You lived 80 years and that's all you have to say about your life. May it never be said of us that when we get 60, 70, 80, we're not talking about everything wrong that happened in our life and why this person wronged me and the church did this to me and the church didn't recognize me the way I want them to recognize. They didn't give me that position. They didn't do this for me. They didn't, they didn't call me when I needed someone to call me. They didn't take care of me when I needed someone to take care of me. All that kind of stuff. What if, what if we were still fresh? and flourishing when our older when we get in our older years. And we're not bitter towards people, but we're fresh and flourishing because we rooted ourselves in a place. We have to have confrontation. We have to deal with conflict, and we have to go through stuff with people. And not only that, you get to share the joys of life, the joys of serving, the joys of giving your life away for somebody else other than yourself. I remember the first time I served on a youth summer camp, and this was, again, a long time ago in 2004, and the one thing that I came away with going like, Dude, this is the abundant life that Jesus talked about. Serving people. Like I just got to do, I I did whatever. I played worship, helped carry coolers. We were in Yosemite. So you had to do a lot of stuff, carrying things everywhere and making your own meals and all this stuff. And I remember walking away going like, this is the abundant life. Giving your life first to serve people. Like, it was like one of those moments where the Bible came alive to me. I was like, that's what you talked about. If you serve, you'll be the greatest. If you, you know, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life away. And when we switch it from self-centeredness to selflessness, we find the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And the last thing, two results, A is fresh and flourishing, B is that you develop consistent and correct views of God. Notice the last verse, people who are rooted They develop consistent and correct views of God. Psalm 92 verse 15, to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And what did he say? There is no unrighteousness in him. Consistent and correct views of God. They're not mad at God. I noticed that people who who have issues with the church, when you know when you have an issue with the church, you actually have an issue with God. And the junk that comes out of our hearts is saying more about us than it is about the people we're talking about. And we find that the problems that we go through tell more about what's going on inside of our hearts more than the circumstances that we're going through. You with me? This is what we saw with Martin Luther King and the, and the, and the, the, the walks that they would do, the nonviolent protests. All they would do, literally, would walk down the street because they were wanting to have their rights back. All that we do is walk down the street and what did the racist people do against them and the, and the people? They beat the crap out of them on, on news. And I'm not saying that, I, I know that's probably not the best phrase to use, but they beat them. And all it did was this, it showed the, the absurdity and the violence and the wretchedness, not of the people who were just walking, but the people who were doing the damage. Are you with me on this? Wow. The, the, because this is, it's what's displayed What's, they got squeezed and violence came out of their heart. And so, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that when you're rooted in the church, scripture tells us that those kind of people, the speech that comes out of their mouth, which we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the things that are inside of them, they're talking about God. God is upright. He's my rock. People aren't my rock, God is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. There's nothing wrong. These people, these kind of people have a perspective of God. They trust in the goodness of God. And why do they, like, how do I, how do I know about the goodness of God? How do I believe in the goodness of God? If you want a scripture's answer, Psalm 92 says, get rooted in the church. Because these people at the end of their days are saying, There's no unrighteousness. One translation said there's no wickedness in God. Some people have really skewed views of God. And and it's probably because they're hanging out with people who also have skewed views of God. But you get around the church and you come around the people who are are constantly from the stage declaring the goodness of God. We're constantly declaring his healing power. We're constantly declaring his love and his grace and his mercy that he'll forgive your sins and wash you clean. You can't help but renew your mind and start saying out of your own mouth, there's nothing unrighteous in God. There's no wickedness. There's no evil in God's heart. How could I even believe that God is evil? Isn't that the one thing that people say, if God is a good God and loving, how could he do all these bad things, blah, blah, blah. You got it all mixed up. He's not the one doing the bad things. There's no unrighteousness in him. We run away from it. We run away from the church and, we also run away from a consistent and pure perspective of God. This is scripture. This isn't Andrew's opinion. Yes. This is scripture I'm telling you tonight. Ah, God is our rock. And I, I just really believe that when we have a, the perspective of God right, we also start seeing his people in a better light. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, it's good, man. I just know, like, our wrong perspectives they get worked out with the Word of God and the people of God. And our hope is not in each other; our hope is in Jesus. I hope we know that, because like the person sitting next to you might fail you, like in a week, (laughs) in a month, or two months, three months. But did you did you see it? They said the Lord is the rock as much as I love my pastors, they're not my rock. They're good people. They've helped my life, but they're not my rock. People who are planning the, in, the, in the church, they say, God is my rock. And he is the truth that we lean on, but the cool part is we have family here to speak his truth to us when we need to hear it. That's the contrast. Like the people of God are speaking the word of God to us, but at the end of the day, we hold on to God himself. And so here, here's the deal. As we close tonight, Ben, you guys can just come up and, and we're just gonna maybe just simmer in that. Is that is that good? We're just simmering simmer in that. I wanna I want to challenge you this because some of us come here and some of us, this isn't our home church, but I want to the most practical I'm telling you, the most practical thing to do at the end of a message like this is to ask God where He's called you to be. And just that's it's so simple. Just ask God where he's called you to be. And when you know where that is, get rooted and give yourself entirely to it. And we want to follow scripture. When you, when you just ask God, where do you have me, God? Like, is this the place where you want me to be? I told you some of my story. It wasn't my first choice if I'm just looking at outward circumstances, but in my heart, God has called me to this place and I stayed here. And I'm telling you, my whole life changed. And I, and I literally live out. I'm telling you, I live out Psalm 92, what we just read. I, this is, it's my life. And when you know where that is, give yourself entirely to it. That's what it means to be planted. You can't give yourself entirely to it if your roots aren't it. You get what I'm saying? That's why Joshua Harris said, stop dating the church. <laughs> it's like, you know, we got one night stands going on, you know, all these other places. Like you, you got to make a choice and you got to get in. You with me on that? Does that make sense? Yes. So uh,
1: this might be a little deep. You actually started to touch on this. Because mm-hmm. um, you mentioned that really it's our responsibility in not so many words to engage with the church. Yeah, yeah.
0: inside of there that can be afraid fear like fearfully fearful to share. To share. Yeah yeah. It, you know and that's that's a really that's a really powerful thing and I know that there's something about that here's here's two like one-liners and then here and then I'll give a couple of practicals is that we have to know that there has to be a place to know that we can belong before we fully believe. That there's a belonging before a believing that you come and you're welcomed in. But then there's also the place of being fully known and fully loved too. So you have to know that this is, this is the gospel. I mean, the, the pure message of the gospel is that God fully knows us. I mean, the stuff that was Zach's saying, we don't want to tell anybody. He fully knows us, but he, choose, he chose to love us anyway. And I would say in that, in light of that, I would say the, the one word is, is vulnerability. And how does that happen? That can happen here not as much on a Thursday night because it's gonna it takes a little bit more time to walk through some of that stuff so you can there can be moments when we we have time for prayer times where we end this or after worship we're praying for each other and etc that could be a moment but at the end of the day it's a brief moment and so we really encourage that's why we have connect groups this is part of the this is why we push connect groups because you get into uh, a small group of five, six, seven, whoever, however many are in there. And our heart is that it would be a safe place for people to open up and share what's going on inside of your life and your heart. And so that's one really, really practical way. But vulnerability has to be the key. Vulnerability has to be the key. And there has to be enough freedom. We sang about it tonight where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So we have to really believe this. And as people, we also have to not only be the ones, but we also have to be the one on the other side releasing unconditional love and acceptance because at the end of the day that's what Jesus did for us when we came to him and so I just I don't know practically it looks like a connect group but outside of that it looks like actually developing meaningful relationships that's what family is it's, it's actually developing meaningful relationships and so even if you're in this room and you're like hey listen I don't know if I have that with anybody who's uh any, a smidgen godly, you know, if I can even say it. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I have that with anyone who's godly or whatever. Well, hey, this is why we meet, so you can connect with somebody. But it takes a little bit of boldness. It takes a little bit of vulnerability to take that first step and to say, hey, listen, there's some things that I've just been needing to share and get off of my, off of my chest, off of my heart because it's eating me up inside. And that's what the church should be, family. God says the lonely in families. Does that make sense? Does that help? That's a good word, man. Good job, Dan. Bring that up. Here's what I want to say. One more word I want to leave you with is that word commitment. And we're going to talk about this word for the whole month. I'm glad that it's there. <laughs> giving yourself to it. It looks like giving your time. It looks if, if, Here's like the three T's that preachers use, time, talent, and treasure. It looks like investing your time. It looks like investing your talents. It looks like investing your treasure. That's what it, that's what it looks like to be rooted in house. And so my encouragement to you is that let's invest in the church. Let's invest not just in the organization, but in each other. It's not going to be, I'm telling the depths of my heart to, you know, 30 people. Uh, if you want to do that, that's your own deal, but I don't recommend it. I think finding three people, two or three people that you can really pour your heart out to, that's the deal right there. And let's take time to invest, because you'll not only be better off because of it, but so will the rest of the church. I and mean, then I'm telling you, following the Lord's command is just a blessing. And so I want to pray with you tonight. And then we're gonna have some, another one more thing really practical for us to, to do. But um, Father, just put your hand on your heart. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the family of God. We thank you. You said, you set the lonely in families. And tonight I pray that if, if any of us is in here tonight and we're not in the family yet, Jesus, the scripture says that that to all who received Jesus, God gave the right to become the children of God. Outside of that, we're still lost. But God, when we receive Jesus, we're welcomed into the family, forgiven of our sins, and God's arms are open wide. And if you're here tonight, just everyone just bow your heads for a second. If you're here tonight, and you actually need to join the family of God, like you're like, oh man, like I don't even know if I'm going to heaven. Like I don't know if, I've been saved. I don't know if my sins are really forgiven, but I want that to happen tonight because I need that forgiveness. And we were just talking about, that. God, you know all this stuff in my heart. You know the stuff that I don't want to tell anybody, but you love me. And there's a gift for you tonight called eternal life, and God wants to give it to you. And just... Just with your heads bowed, I want to give you that opportunity. If you're here tonight and you're saying, like, I need that. I want to accept that gift. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to be a part of the family of God. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be rebellious, but I want to be a part of your family. If that's you tonight, would you just slip up your hand, and I want to pray with you tonight. I see you back over there. I see you right there. Anyone else? Just say, that's. I just want forgiveness. I want God to wash away all my sins. If you're here tonight and you're saying that to me, there's two of us here tonight. It's three. Anyone else? It's four. It's five. Just saying, you know what? I need a fresh start tonight. Six. Thank you, Jesus. It's so good. You're amazing, God. Just 10 more seconds. If you're saying, I just need that. I need a fresh start with Jesus tonight. Just Slip up your hand. Join those. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. That's so good. Let's just pray this all around the room. Let's pray this together and say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I ask you to forgive my sins and wash me clean. Have mercy on me. And Jesus, I accept you into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I belong to Jesus. Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you all over this room. He said those who receive Jesus. Gave them the right to become children of God. Tonight we thank you that there's some people who just joined the family of God. Oh, we love you, God. It's so good. Can we do something really bold? Because just in light of what we're just talking about with vulnerability, And boldness can if you raise your hand and you're saying you're either rededicating your heart or you're just saying I need I need a fresh start with Jesus. If you raise your hand, would you do a bold thing and just stand on your feet wherever you're at? Because I want I want us to come around you and I want us to just pray and just hug you and welcome you into the family of God. Come on. So good. Come on. I know there is more of us. It's okay. You guys can join too. Come on. now stay standing everyone who's around them I want you to come around them and I want you to just hug them I want you to pray for them I want you to welcome them in to the family or to coming back home to a fresh start with God can you do that? there's just two back there can you just go back there? come on we're just going to take a few moments if you're around them and or if not just stretch out your hands and we're just going to pray for them Can you just come around them and just stay there and just pray for them, that God would bless them and God would just pour out his love on them, that God would just ignite their destinies? God, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Come on, just just take just like a couple minutes and just pray for them that this would be the best year of their life, that they would experience the love of God, that they would experience the grace of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just bless them, just pray for them. Come on, we only have just a little bit more time. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with your love.